I'm going to ask a quick favour. If you're listening to this, please hit the subscribe button and the follow button. Like, share, rate, review the podcast. It helps more than you realise. Do you know what? There's never a right time to do it. You, there is always a reason not to do something. So if you let that reason be your decision-making factor, then you're not actually ever going to do anything. Absolutely, kind of, I'm a product of looking at the experience I had as a child. Um, and I think the biggest thing that shaped me is actually I lost my mum at a very young age. I was only seven when she died. And that obviously a huge impact at the time, huge impact growing up. Giving him those experiences and those life memories for me is that's my having it all. And I could work 12 hours a day and drive a Bentley or whatever, you know, that that's not my having it all. If that's what, what you want to do, if anyone else wants to do that, all power to them. Just find what motivates you, what is your identifier, identifier as having it all, and then work to that. The expectation was exactly like our parents did. I was very fortunate. My mum, before she died, she did work. She worked at the BBC. She was a bit of a maverick. Maybe that's where I get it from. Um, but when she had the children, it was expected that she stopped working. And she volunteered for Meals on Wheels. And it was that was really kind of the expectation coming through. And I just thought, nah, that's not for me. And I want to work in the music industry and I just want to go and just do my own thing. And we have this, still have this real perception that private school clever equals better than maybe someone who, if they were learn business skills or, or mortgages and credit cards and life skills or policies, you might have, find someone who's like the greatest politician on planet Earth that went to an academy school that was academised because it was failing, but they haven't had that opportunity. And it's about levelling off and changing the perception of those opportunities. Do you know what, actually, it was Sir Clive Woodward that put it absolutely best. There is absolutely nothing, no difference between sport and business because at the end of the day, it's just getting the best out of people. Welcome to the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picturebook Films. Here, we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs and business owners from across Sussex, delving into the mindsets of what makes them really tick. Okay, welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. My guest on the podcast this week is the founder and managing director of Jessica Freeman HR. She has over 25 years experience in HR and started her own company in 2014. She's also involved at various levels at Dorking Rugby Club, community coach at Harlequins and played rugby at a very high standard. We met at a business expo last year and started talking about her upbringing education and how rugby and her rugby career and career in HR and, and was it was such an interesting conversation that we had. Um, since then, I've just been excited to have you on. We had, you know, and, and talk about maybe the, the expectations of you f- from a young age and, and the route you decided to take. And it's going to be a great, great story. And thank you for coming on and sharing it with us. So I'm delighted to welcome... Jessica Freeman to the podcast. Hi, thank you. How I'm, you really, I'm good. I'm really excited to do this. Cool. It kind of feels like it's been a little bit of a long time coming since we met. I and, know. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm just really glad we've actually managed to get it and get it on. Absolutely. Look, it's been, like I said, that, that initial conversation for me, I was like, wow. And we just, we chatted for ages, didn't we? We, we, did. we, we was at the expo. We just stayed <laughs> there chatting. But I was like, we, we, we need to get you on. We need to get, so look, it's been, it's been great to get to know you, obviously, over the last year as well and, and been at various events together. So look, we're going to delve straight in as we always do. So look, just tell the listeners a little bit about um, yeah, your story, your journey and where it all sort of started. Yeah. So, oh God, in a long distance, other century ago, uh, graduated and went straight into working in the music industry. Um, had a ridiculous time running around with boy bands, girl bands, everything in the 90s. Um, and then hit a really massive glass ceiling. Women in media, music, that side of things um, was really, really tough. Um, and I had to make some sort of decisions about actually quite a young age, whether it was what I wanted to continue to do. And it, that was quite tough because mm. it was kind of like, that's your dream job. That was what you dreamt of when you were a kid. And suddenly right. it isn't quite what you thought it was going to be. Um, and I actually just walked into a recruiter's and said, I need a job. And after doing a bit of temping, they went, come and work here. Come and set up a music desk, get other people jobs in the music industry. You know what it's like. Mm. And that kind of started the next bit of the journey. And... Um, Ended up working in a lot of growth strategy and a lot of startups and small business and music and digital and the whole Y2K content, no content, content. You know, we were yeah, growing yeah, yeah. redundancies, growing. Everyone was doing all this crazy thing at 2000. Got really, really involved with that. People like Napster, iTunes, MySpace, things like that. Uh, had my child 10 days before Lehman's Brothers collapsed. Wow. And I decided that was going to be the best thing or the worst thing. And I wasn't quite sure yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is the world yeah. is kind of collapsing and I'm on maternity leave. I actually got made redundant. And that then spurred me to change. And I, even though I had quite a few challenges, um, I decided to do a master's degree with a one-year-old child uh, and do my HR. I should do. I should do. Of course. Uh, do human resource management um, degree, uh, master's degree. Um, what made you think about like with the HR stuff? What, what, why, why do a master's in that? So I, um, I was, I actually really treated it as a massive crossroads in my life. I'd done lots of things, you know, been involved in sport, been involved in the music industry, had some crazy experiences. Proper, mm, you know, yeah. my dinner party stories are never dry. You know, there's a lot <laughs> going on there from back, back, back in the day. Um, but I had to kind of make a decision with a child of exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. And a lot of people had said, you know, you could organise events or you'd be really good in other kind of roles or, do, you know, and I kind of looked at a few things around sport and there really weren't that many opportunities in that yeah. side of things. And actually what I was good at was people. Um, and with the background of recruitment, growth strategy, redundancy, they're all kind of core transactional functions yeah. within HR. Um, so it was a really good opportunity to then just go, okay, well, actually, if I make this decision of this is the career point for the rest of, you know, the next section of my life, as it were, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to do it properly. So um, I did the conversion, did the three-year professional master's, um, did all the areas that maybe I hadn't covered before, um, worked part-time at a hotel on Brighton Seafront, which was eye-opening beyond uh, did more employee relations in one year I probably did about five years worth in one year really really honed wow. skills really honed skills um, there's a lot that goes on in hospitality anyone who's working in hospitality will tell you they'll know yeah, there's a yeah, lot sure, that goes sure. on in hospitality um, 
But there wasn't a true part-time role. It really, really wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is what I was craving. So I did some voluntary work. And then eventually, lots of my friends that had been made redundant, a lot of creatives actually, had set their own stuff up from the back of the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I was getting focused, oh, can you just put me a contract together? Can, can I just pay you to do that? Or can you just sack this person for me? Can I pay you to do that? And I kind of realised there was a really big gap in the market for small businesses. Yeah. And that's how Jessica Freeman HR came about. Right, right. Um, from looking at what that need was and looking at that dip in, pay as you go, just someone on tap, just a bit of access. Yeah. And that's really what we've modelled the whole business around, the whole premise around is the pay as you go, accessible, affordable, for small businesses that just have never thought they needed HR and never considered it. Yeah. And... And then it's gone massive, and then COVID, and then it's got even more massive. And, oh, and then here we are, wow. alongside progressing a rugby coaching <laughs> career as a hobby job. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, the, the sports side of things, we'll definitely delve into a little bit. I, I just wanted to, like, with the HR, I, I think it's fascinating, because I obviously, running, I remember running the salon, and that was probably the most difficult thing for me, was managing people, like, especially younger people within that creative industry you know went out on the piss on a Friday night I didn't come in I'm like yeah but it, it, knowing those procedures and just that for me like we was part of obviously a franchise organization so you know we had HR support in, in some way but I had to pay for that through like a was outsourcing you just like mm-hmm. it would have been ideal to have something like for a small business I could just gone right can I have a bit of help yeah, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, yeah and that sort of pay as you go type thing which is because you do need that because there's so much red tape there's so many procedures you have to follow from a HR point of view isn't there that and people don't know yeah there is um, but I'm kind of kind of sell it all a little bit short I think it's actually not that difficult yeah. the thing that makes it difficult is that people are involved yeah, sure, so actually, sure. the statutes, the structures, the laws that are in place, the case laws there, the processes that you need to cover, yeah. actually aren't that difficult. Mm. That you know, yeah, the knowledge base of actually, I can do it off the top of my head. You might have to Google it. You know, that's yeah, yeah. what you pay for that instant, that yeah, and getting yeah, yeah. it right straight away, rather than kind of navigating through maybe some legal language. It's that comfort blanket, I guess, as well, knowing that someone because you know. No, exactly. But what makes it really challenging and one of the things that I know that is really one of our unique selling points is coming up with creative ways of finding those solutions. Because when you throw people at it, people do crazy stuff and people don't behave. You can kind of, you know, a lot of people go, I bet you've seen it all. It's like, I can never have seen it all because I've not met every single person on the planet. And I hopefully never have to. Um, But you, you can't, you can... You can gauge, you can use your experience, you can generalise on what you feel might happen in a situation, but you just never know what curveball's coming next. And that's what makes it really exciting, and that's what keeps it challenging for someone who's doing it across a whole raft of businesses rather than just your own. Because a lot of people say to me, how do you constantly, obviously when we've had some downturns, constantly doing the redundancies pre-COVID, constantly doing the furloughs and everything, because... Every environment's different, every company's different, uh, and every person is different. But yeah, it's just there to know you've got someone at the end of the phone. Sometimes you just want to go, can I just talk to you for half an hour? 
can yeah, I take yeah, you out for lunch? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just want to run something past you. That's yeah. that conversations usually start with, can I just run something past you? Or I <laughs> yeah. hear you're really good at sacking people. That's how conversations <laughs> normally start and when people like the LSU, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a little bit. And I have to kind of come up and go, well, yes, we but let's find out what's happened. Yeah, it yeah, depends yeah, sure. what's going on. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. my favourite phrase. It depends. Yeah, 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 that will yeah. be the answer to everything until we actually know the details of where we're at and what we're doing. Yeah, of course. Um, irrespective of people thinking they just can fire people. Because yeah. <laughs> you do, like again, back it. Uh, I always refer to the amount of times I used to I think like cause ultimately, you part of you, someone would do that and they come in and they just you know, they not come in for three days, not contact you know. Like, just get your stuff and get out. Like that's what you want to do. But obviously, you can't do that. You know, there's things in place, and, and for good reason, because there was, you know, other reason that. But yeah, it's just for, from a from a leader point of view or a management point of view, it's just knowing that you go, right, what can I can I do and can't I do, and how what's the best route out of here, out of this yeah. situation? I guess it is. Yeah, this it's is a problem. The, yeah. This is a problem, and you guys just come in. This is we're going to find you a solution, the yeah. best one for you. Really. It is. It's that solution finding, but it's also. And this might sound a little bit bizarre from an HR person, but it is depersonalising it ever so slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when, especially you are a small business, you're very close to the people that are working for you, with you, as a team. Because it's a small team. And some of them might have been with you for quite a long time. Yeah, you've built relationships with them, haven't you? No, absolutely. And so... um, in fact, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday who really couldn't get to grips with, with changing a structure. We're implementing a new policy. It will affect a few people. And they couldn't apply the framework and policy to a couple of people. Mm. And I just said, why are you applying it to the person? This is about the job. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. about the role in the organisation and where it fits with the organisation. Yeah, yeah, sure. And as soon as... They got that. They just went, oh, that's not a problem then anymore, yeah, is it? Yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and and it's it's just that kind of slightly external, absolutely the welfare and the fairness for the employee and the person has to be the absolute start and process. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and just because I'm independent doesn't mean I don't care and yeah. I don't know that. But it's a fresh set of eyes as well, isn't it? That's the, I think but that's it's the just that slightly step back. Yeah, it's just that kind yeah. of overview. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being able to apply, yeah, the statutes, the laws, and yeah. look at the right process. Um, and what I try to do is, is not try and tell my clients what to do. I try and let them try and get to that conclusion themselves. Yeah. Um, because it's more powerful for, for, powerful for them to learn. And understand. And understand. Yeah, yeah. And if it, it's more about guiding them and there are times yes I'm going to have to say look this is what we have to do and they're like I need you to you to tell me what to do yeah. I can say well look this is what we can do this is the options you've got how's this going to impact your business long term what is we always call it about setting a precedence yeah. the actions that you do for one will set the precedence of how you're going to behave for all yeah. and if you can get that Right, and I love working yeah, with businesses yeah. from the beginning yeah, yeah, because sure. you can set that precedent from the start through your contracts, your handbooks, your policies, however you mm. want to work. Um, we can be creative. You don't have to be prescriptive. It can be how you want your company to be shaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sets the precedence for how you behave throughout as an employer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the t- it can set the tone of your business yeah, yeah. because of how the people that you're bringing in. 
So it's such an important part. Of, and again, uh, something we're definitely I want to come on to later, talking about culture, because it's something that you know mm. I, I always discuss. But I guess that's such an important part of culture, isn't it? Like, and and your role, that inte- such an integral role, in especially from the start. I guess that that you know that, that business owner speaking to you and saying this is the culture I want to create. You almost put systems in place. I'm assuming to create help create that. Yeah. Um. The culture, culture is such a challenge yeah. and culture changes. And, you know, we went through uh, those of us that remember the 90s ish, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. that whole, hey, we've got a mission statement, we've got a yeah. vision statement. And everyone put down on paper what they thought their company was meant to be. And actually, cultures change and you can have an ethos of where you're at and what you want for the company, but then external factors internal factors things out of your control you know Mm. will affect and kind of hit that culture and hit that ethos and you might have to adapt and change Mm. and it's very much about when you're trying to foster a culture it's also being able to reflect if it's working yeah absolutely yeah yeah. because if you kind of go yeah 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 i want to set up a new business and it's going to be like this and we're going to work a four-day week full pay and we're going to go for all of these great (laughs) homework But if you don't actually put a point where you're going to reflect and actually look at it and go, is this working? Is yeah, this yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I have one client that we've completely flipped their way they work coming out of COVID in that now they completely remote work and your flexible working request is how many days you would like to be in the office. Wow. Which is wow. an entirely yeah, 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 made yeah. up by Jess yeah. kind of concept <laughs> that we came with. But what we did was we talked to the employees This came out of an employee survey coming out of COVID at the end of last year. It came out of a lot of consultation about how they were feeling. Were they feeling isolated? Very much looking at their mental health side of things. Did they feel they supported still and access? And actually, majoritively, yes. So this was appropriate for this type of organization to go for this slightly crazy approach. And we set a clear parameter that we are going to review this in six months. This is a temporary adjustment to your contract for six months. You know, we are going to have review phases. We're going to discuss this with you of how it's working. There are going to be things that, you know, we put in that they had to come to team meetings, which then had an impact on how much they pay for for travel and who's traveling from where. But actually, the opportunities that this has given this organization in terms of recruitment, they can now have international recruitment because yeah. they're all working remotely. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. So a talent pool issue that we have at the moment has now eradicated yeah, yeah. that side for them. Yeah. We also looked at flexibility. So, you know, do you, yep, they get a lunch break at home, but actually do they want to pick the kids up and drop them off at grandma's and see their kids in the day? Yeah. Or do they want to have different, you know, that they can finish at five o'clock, that means they're at five o'clock, so they can go and participate in sport or a club or an yeah. activity that they want to do that's not at eight o'clock at night because they've commuted home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But then there's really important that they're supported, there's team meetings, they have time in the office, you know, they see their teammates, they have that face-to-face as well and that interaction. Yeah, of course. Um, and at the moment for them, this isn't going to work for everyone, yeah. you know, but for that particular organisation, it's really working. And But it's so crucial. We're still, even though it looks like it's great and everyone's loving it, we're still going to do that reflect and review at six months. Yeah and actually really look at what's worked, what hasn't worked, would we change anything, are we going to adapt it, and is this going to become permanent? Because it's not a done deal. See, I, I think for me as well, actually, 
all businesses know, not just talking about HR there, but all what you've just described is actually what we should be doing as a business as a whole constantly anyway surely like we should always be reflecting and looking at what whatever we're implementing not just around age but everything as a business as a whole that you look at you know reflect is that working marketing for example is that working no right let's adjust that yeah. like like you said having that i guess that preconcept that idea right this is how my company's going to be this is how i'm going to run it this is what's going to happen and then actually six months down the line that's gone on a completely different tangent and I wasn't expecting that, yeah. so we need to adapt. And, you know, and if anything, COVID has shown us that we've got to be prepared to adapt because no one had that in their business plan, did they? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> what were those two years no, about? No, Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's strange you say that because I actually had, January 2021 for me was upscale the business. Yeah. And um, I had very set parameters about my business before that point related like, around family and what I wanted to achieve and what my having it all was about. Yeah. But January 2021 was, my son had, would have then been at secondary school, settled for a term, and that was then my time to get a little bit back. Um, that he, I anticipated that he wanted me a little bit less, that he was going to start becoming more independent. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was coming just, yeah, 13, heading all towards 13 at the time, he's nearly 14 now. Um, and then we were in this tier system of are we in lockdown are we not in lockdown are we in yeah, lockdown yeah, after Christmas before yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who's getting out of their mm. t- zone before they get locked down? what are we doing and then we suddenly got this yes we're homeschooling and I'd already committed to some networking um, paid networking groups and I was like do you know what there's never a right time to do it. You, there is always a reason not to do something. Absolutely. So absolutely. if you let that reason be your decision-making factor, yeah. then you're not actually ever going to do anything. Yeah, so that. January 21, homeschooling, yet again. Yeah. <laughs> never let me do that again. Yeah. Um, God, I know that aging massively. But I still upscaled the business. Amazing. And I still went ahead with that because... Nothing's really ever, no one's ever told me to, if I can't do something, I kind of will. Yeah, and I just thought, yeah. well, COVID's not going to do that. I'll manage, we'll work it out. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I have a great kid. He has a great work ethic as well. He was brilliant at just kind of cracking on. Yeah. And then when he wasn't cracking on, he was on my sofa and boy, that kid can tell you how to do redundancy processes and tell you <laughs> life skills he learned there. Um, brilliant. Yeah, he brilliant. Can, he'll, he'll, he'll start. He's a new employee now as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Well, you joke about that. Yeah. He does. He's actually named as the IT director <laughs> because through that, he was 13, nearly 14 I now. Love that. I love but that. through that whole time of Zoom, when suddenly we're adapting and you're doing meetings and I'm just like, I can't hear anything. Where's the volume gone? I can't see, you know. And I'd be like, where's the nearest teenager? He's in his room. Calm down. (laughs) One time, hilariously, really, really important. Really, really, like, I was feeling like big business. Bit (laughs) bit of an imposter syndrome, right? I'm doing big business. I've tidied the office and everything. (laughs) And um, I just couldn't get the Zoom to work. And I didn't realise he was sunbathing. 
And so he goes, I'm just going to get my IT to sort this out. And before I had time to turn the camera off, he dashed in in just his board shorts and his bare chest as a teenager, tapping away. And I'm like, I do apologise. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> so other people had cats and cats' bums. I had topless teenagers. IT directors. IT directors <laughs> coming in and sorting my uh, IT issues out. Which is, I love it. I love as it. As you do. But that's great for like, I always think it now with, with the kids and and them being a business owner and, and seeing seeing you work and in that sort of environment and that sort of aspect, I, I do feel that there's, you know, we can inspire our children in that way, like to run a business and that, because I don't think, you know, I, I never had a upbringing where my parents were entrepreneurial at all. They both worked with really strong work ethic, which they instilled in me, which I'm so grateful for, because that's what's got me, I guess, where I am. But from an entrepreneurial side, no, it wasn't like you, never run my own business that was never a mindset thing but it, I think it's great that hopefully I'll do the same with my kids and, and, and you're clearly doing with yours to yeah I mean yeah I think you obviously clearly are shaped from where you've come from yeah um I absolutely kind of am a product of looking at the experience I had as a child um and I think the biggest thing that shaped me is actually I lost my mum at a very young age. Mm. I was only seven when she died. Mm. And that, obviously, a huge impact at the time, huge impact growing up. But um, a lot of people always ask me, going, oh, did you miss your mum? It's like, well, clearly. Um, yeah. But at the same token, it, I didn't because it, I was too young to know any different. different. Yeah, sure, sure. And it isn't until certain life events that come through that you kind of sit there and you go, actually, that's when I could have done with it. And things like, you know, weddings, yeah, birth of, of my child and all of this. But actually, I think one of the biggest things that shaped it um, was what I wanted with my life and the work-life balance and that myself and my husband, and my husband, he's massively supportive, um, was that I don't have that many memories of my mum. Yeah. The ones I do have are really rock solid and yeah, probably yeah, yeah. slightly crazy, like too young to remember. I'll yeah, say yeah, stuff yeah. and I go, God, yeah, I remember when we went to that holiday and there was that big road before we crossed to the beach and my dad's like, you were two. Yeah. It's like, I think it, I kind of locked yeah, them in, yeah, sure, sure. core, core locked them in because I knew I had to because that was all I had. Yeah. So a big thing for me is, is about having it all is about what I can do as a family and the memories I can make for my family should something or one of us not happen and I don't mean that in a really horrible because I'm a really positive person yeah, absolutely, but yeah, we I'll... just don't know and I, and I guess a product of that is we just don't know what's going to happen yeah. you just don't know when you walk out the door or you know you could get an illness yeah. and I just really really wanted to build a life for my family that meant that I raised my child and so my having it all, which is entirely different from anyone else's having it all, mm. um, is having an amazing husband that also has huge work ethic, works really hard, really excelling in, at his high, high level of what he's doing. Mm. In a more regular business, I'd say nine to five, he certainly doesn't work nine to five, but <laughs> more nine to five salaried yeah, sure, job. Sure. So our son has that as if that's a career path. He's really worked. He's stayed in one element of career yeah. as an engineer you know high high level now and yeah. and so you can see that career progression our son sees that side of it and then he's got this mental mum that just does crazy stuff and <laughs> but i never missed pick up at nursery 
I never picnic. I never missed the pickup at primary school. I was there as sports day. I was in the PTA. I was the one that said, "Yeah, I'll coach the rugby team. Yeah. I'll, you know, get involved and look after the kids. I'll make sure that I get myself then trained up and qualified to do that side of things." Um, and that I earn the money that I earn to go on nice holidays, to take him to events. Yeah. You know, we get I get to take him to amazing things within rugby. Luckily, they all love rugby. And he, yeah. loves rugby. So handy. he also likes cricket. Not so sure about that one. But we are, we, I mean, we're really lucky. We're all peas in a pod. We yeah. literally, the weekend surrounded by sport. Yeah, you know, yeah, Sky amazing. Sports, Subscription BT, the whole shebang, all of it. And it can be any sports. I mean, God, we've been watching... We, we even got to watching competitive marble racing in lockdown when there was no sport. <laughs> That's Marbile. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Formula Marbile was just the best thing on YouTube. Um, but... It, giving him those experiences and those life memories for me is that's my having it all yeah. and I could work 12 hours a day and drive a Bentley or whatever blah, you know yeah. that that's not my having it all if that's what what you want to do if anyone else wants to do that totally. all power to them yeah. just find what motivates you what is your identifier and identifier as having it all love that and then work to that that's such a that is such a powerful thing for me, like because I, I I talk about it on here a lot and around the, the narrative around what success looks like to mm. to people, and I love the way you describe it as having it all, and it's not financially based. It's not about the material things that we do, and uh, and and a lot of people. And again, I always refer to myself like I go, we if we was I was doing this interview ten years ago, my narrative around success would have been a lot different to what it is these days, like. It was. But I think that I think that is really fascinating though because I do think age and as you move through, sort of, I'm late forties now, yeah. you know, and and I think your perspectives do massively change. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't think my perspectives in terms of having it of all have changed because if you think, oh, well, my son's nearly fourteen, so my yeah. ideals, fifteen years ago when I was pregnant, yeah, were exactly the same, and you know, I had a very I'm very open about talking about this. I think women need to be. You know, I had um, real difficulty conceiving, lots of fertility treatment, a very difficult birth. Mm. Um, I was very unwell. And then he was very unwell and had surgery at 14 weeks old. So even back then, 15 years ago, like mid-30s, early 30s, that's still that same fundamental thing of shaping is like, why on earth would I want to go out to work for 10 12 hours a day and have someone else raise my child when i've just done, done that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and i think it but it, you can still frame it but i think i think for me it's slightly possibly also my rebellious side because i've never conformed yeah. well, really I, I'm, I, I'm keen to talk because one of the things I, that i was really intrigued to, to chat to you about and that we spoke about that day was exactly that like you you was probably educated you know um you, 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 I think from your description of, of your childhood and growing up and what that looked like to you, it was you know a very privileged sort of upbringing and, and like you say had that had that private education and it was a, possibly an expectation of where yeah. what path you was going to take yeah. um, within society and you decided not to do that. <laughs> I tend to. It's, it's, it's a common theme through so, my life. Yeah, so talk I mean, to me about that. Tell, tell I will me about never. It. I mean, I had amazing opportunities. I had an amazing education. Um, really, really strong foundations educationally. But 
it, you know, we are talking, <laughs> we are talking the 80s and yeah, yeah. early, well, end of 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and there was still that expectation of, especially going to a girls' school, um, even from a really young age at my prep school in Windsor, um, we did a lot of stuff at the castle. We waved a lot of flags, a lot of flags, yeah, yeah. a lot of looking sweet in a boater. There are there are pictures somewhere. I'm never going to show them. Oh, I've got to get him on the podcast somehow. We need to. Uh, no, entirely. Um, and uh, there were certain things there that we were taught about being a lady. And how ladies would form. My secondary school was a little bit more open-minded. But when we say that, we've got to put it into the perspectives of we still had very structured education. Um, I, oh God, I remember we had one lesson around sex education to discuss whether we might have sex education and a letter was going home to our parents. That letter obviously didn't go down. This was when we were about a week before we were about to do... GCSEs. Yeah, yeah. So leaving a little bit late. Uh, never heard from again. I'm taking it that letter didn't go down too well within the parent society, oh, wow, wow, wow. but it was never heard from again. Um, and the subjects that we learned were, you know, Latin and English and history and yeah, yeah. science, if you were good at it. Um, yeah. And it, we tried... To, I say we, a couple of us slightly rebellious were sort of asking about whether we could do business studies um, at A-level, and that was no, that wasn't going to be part of the credit. So uh, it was very much more those traditional subjects with a view that you, they were looking at Oxbridge entrance, um, and then kind of what were you going to do with what you chose as your subject? And a lot of it was around, uh, uh, to be fair, there were a few that were really great, and we've got some of the school friends I'm still in touch with, amazing doctor, you know, those kind of professions were kind of, yeah, they were yeah, good. Yeah, sure, sure. But a lot of it was sort of English and history and you could be a teacher or, you know, and, and a lot of it was, and the expectation was exactly like our parents did. I was very fortunate. My mum, before she died, she did work. She worked at the BBC. She was a bit of a maverick. Maybe that's where I get it from. Yeah. Um, but when she had the children, it was expected that she stopped working and she volunteered for Meals on Wheels. And it was, that was really kind of the expectation coming through. And I just thought, nah. That's not for me. I want to work in the music industry, and I just want to go and just do my own thing. And so I ended up at Oxford. Do do you think it was maybe? Although your mum passed away when you were seven, do do you think that that from that that young age there was something there, like seeing that, seeing that she was slightly different from the norm and and going out work? You know. Yeah, I think so. I from my dad is really close to the, like he's he's of that kind of that age where um his he's friends for life he's you know there's some some people like my mum's best friend from university he's still very good friends with yeah, yeah. um and i see her quite often as well and my well he calls himself my godfather uh i think it was ever formalized but <laughs> he my dad's best friend from school um has just has been amazing and he often just sits there and gets a bit teary and goes, God, you're your mother. You're just your mother. And it does ask that real nature-nurture question because yeah, yeah. I only had her in my life for seven years. Yeah, she yeah. was very ill for about five of those. Wow. So you have to ask that nature-nurture of, of how much did I just 
just inherently from get yeah, from her. Yeah, of course, of course. To do and um, behave because they're like, oh, you're so like her, your enthusiasm. And, and you know, when my mum gave up work, she still then volunteered for Meals on Wheels, as it was yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that exists anymore. But, you know, the kids were at primary school, so it was like, and even though she was ill, she was still doing something else. And mm. I can see those traits. I can see myself, you know, I volunteer yeah, yeah. a lot at grassroots love rugby. I give a lot of time over for that side of things. I can, I get, I can see why people who've known, knew my mum from when she was young yeah, can kind of sit there and say, yeah, you're like your mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's really, it's really interesting. I think, what, what's your take then, like, on, like, because you obviously, like you said, from private education, but, you know, very traditional education in that sense, those mm. type of, what, what, what are your thoughts around education now and, like, the, the, the way the curriculum is and what that looks like? Like, do, do you still, like, I'm not obviously bashing education, but do you think that they're, you know, because you, you've gone down that route and mm. then gone, I'm going to go on my own business. Mm. I'm not going to do any of these things I'm supposed to potentially, yeah. the route I'm supposed to go down. And, you know. I'm not going to go to university and meet my husband. These are the things, you know what I mean? They're the types. So I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm looking at thinking, what, but I'm just keen to see what you, you sort of think around education now and, and do you think that the, the system as a whole and the way people learn needs to maybe be looked at? Or what's your I do, on? actually. I think... I I do think there needs to be a bit of a shake-up. And I think the big problem we've got is the whole point of academies and things like that, they've got it wrong. Mm. Um, the use of academies is a really negative thing. It's a failing school that needs rescuing that yeah, suddenly yeah. then become academi- becomes academised yeah, and it's sure, profit. Sure. You know, it's not supposed to be for profit and blah, blah, blah. And I've actually, I have worked... I've done a contract for an academy um, group. Um, interestingly enough, at my interview, the first thing I said to them was, by the way, I don't believe in academization and I don't believe in this structure, so tell me why you want me to come and work for you. Wow. Um, kind of laid the groundwork. Yeah, yeah of course. As you do. Um, but then I've always done that because even with my business, when I work part-time, I would go into clients and say, um, I work 9.30 to 2.30 Monday to Thursday. If that's not enough for you, that's fine. I'm not offended. I'm just not, this isn't the right relationship. Yeah, that doesn't mean yeah. I'm crap or I'm not good yeah, at my job yeah, 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 yeah. or that you're not a great client. It's just this relationship isn't right. Yeah. And the amount of people that would turn in and just go, yeah, I still want to work with you. We'll make it work. Yeah, was yeah. more than, there were negatives and there were some really sex negatives of you'll never make it in business if with an attitude like that. It's like, mm, yeah, I kind of have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but overwhelmingly, but back to, back to the education thing. Um, I don't think we can kind of do a one size fits all. Yeah. I don't necessarily, I don't dislike the private system. Um, I'm a product of it. I, I don't horrifically dislike it. I think some things need to change in it. But I think a lot of education is trying to meet the needs of too many children that are too different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from a parent of uh, an over-excelling child, um, he's very good at sport. He's also bright. He's in top sets for everything. Mm. Um, excelling across a broad spectrum. I want him to be pushed. I want him to be challenged. Yeah. I don't want him... Ne- he's, you know, he's massively competitive. Sadly, the I'm competitive with myself from me and the external I'm going to beat you competitive from my husband <laughs> it all culminated in one bubbly mess. But um, I don't want the participation award. 
for him, he needs that competition. Yeah, 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 sure. But I get that there's also parents of kids that need the participation and they need a bit more of a, a constructive approach and they need a bit more of an adaptable approach. And it's like, actually, you know, if they're struggling to get to grips with actually doing the English homework, why are you trying to make them do French at the same time? Yeah, get yeah, 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 get yeah, some sure. key core principles in. Down to, have we invested enough in special educational needs that actually then really works for those? Is the right place for a child individually that might have some challenges? They actually do thrive better in a mainstream school, but actually others don't, and yeah. we certainly don't have enough places for those and systems yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I just I feel that education is being pushed down this trying to mould everyone, one thing that everyone's got to try and be yeah, spat out it, of. That, that, that's, that, that's where I think I potentially have a problem with it, is exactly that. Because like, ev- everyone... Everyone learns in a different way. Everyone absorbs content in a different way. Everyone absorbs, it. you know what I mean. So, you, but trying to say this is a curriculum that you've got to stick to. This kind of and, and even the curriculum as a whole and the certain things that, of course, we've got to have fundamentals with English and maths and uh, and a fundamental understanding of mm. those. But how deep do you have to go into that when you're talking like trigonometry and things like that? What you're going to use? What, where does yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, start? who's used or, it? Apart from unless you do maths. Well, my husband, you, my husband uses it every day. But yeah, apart from him, yeah, but, no one. But, yeah. um, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's like okay, I randomly. One of the really good things from the 80s private school was we did this lesson called civics. Now, a lot of people go, look at you, what the hell is that? And I guess it's the nearest you're going to get to it now is kind of citizenship. And I, we learn about how the House of Commons works and how the House of Lords works and how laws are passed. Possibly because then we maybe pick the person with the right title or the right politician to marry. Who knows? (laughs) But I don't know what their purpose for teaching us it was. But we also learned about, we did learn about the monarchy actually quite heavily. We were quite, I suppose, the area we grew up in. Um, But we also learned a little bit around that kind of, that government, that politics, that structure, how voting works. Um, And I think that, school and education could take that a little bit further now i mean i think kids need to know what a pension is what a mortgage is what don't get a credit card with an apr what does an apr mean you ask me like a 17 year old that's really gonna there'll be a few cocky ones that have got it but you know and it's understanding that payday loans don't work and it's and at the moment it's down to parents and not all of the parents have that educational tool to kind of teach their kids of you know, there's your phone, and that's got in-app purchases. Well, actually, what does that mean, and how much is that going to cost, and what's it going to do for you? And, so and life skills that, that that they can actually relate to, and like, and, and and as I say, you, you're taking stuff. Now, that type of education and that type of stuff is valuable that they will use in their life. Whatever happens yeah. in their life, whatever career path they go down, mm. those are life skills that they will need. And I think as well, I think it's society and. Again, kind of politicians and and when I say society as a whole, that kind of Mm. whole hierarchical structure that we have is is changing the perception of the value of things. And it's looking at people and going, okay, you're a really high achieving academic. Mm. Um, You are a really high achieving sports person. 
if you went to an academy or a private school that was for high achievers, that doesn't make you better or worse than someone that isn't academic. It just means that their talents lie somewhere else and in a different form. And we have this, still have this real perception that private school, clever, equals better than maybe someone who, if they were learn business skills or or mortgages and credit cards and life skills or politics, you might have, find someone who's like the greatest politician on planet Earth that went to an academy school that was academized because it was failing, but they haven't had that opportunity. And it's about leveling off and changing the perception of those opportunities. I love that. I love that. I think that's a great way to describe it. It is the preconception of what society puts on, like you said, you automatically speak to someone who's privately educated and think, like you said, whether it's a better life or whatever that look. But what what is what is better? What because ultimately, what do we want out of life? Like you, you you're talking about your you know what, what your success is and all mm. and what that looks like. But and it's, if happiness is the key to that, it's nothing to do with your financial or your hot, uh, yeah, academically I mean, intelligent you are or whatever wherever that balances out. It's and I know. come across and I, I call them the Range Rover wankers. Um, <laughs> and I come across the guys in. In sport, uh, you come across them quite a lot. Are people attending? A lot of the parents that are bringing their kids, my kids coming to a Harlequins camp, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. X amount. It's a prowess of my kids here. Yeah. It's, it, they've paid them to go on a camp, and we've, we've given them some skills. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and they'll turn up in the latest Range Rover or Aston Martin or whatever, and I just kind of look at them and just go, yeah, I, I, I've had loads of those in the playground, those parents. It hasn't changed, just the brand of the car and the size of the yeah, car. and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure, sure. and it it that's great if that's what they need. Yeah, yeah. Um but it doesn't diminish the fact that what I need and what my success is is any different. It doesn't yeah, yeah. mean it's any worse. It doesn't mean you're better than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and it, you know, we everyone has and we talk about this a lot and we talk about the, like, this massively in sport at the moment. Something I'm really, really passionate about is the unconscious bias. Yeah. And it's that language and your un- your automatic assumptions, whether you realise it as a bias or you really don't realise it as an unconscious bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for women's sport at the moment, it's huge. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it can apply to anything. And it's like, I can walk into somewhere, I will start talking and people hear how I speak and they make an assumption. Yeah. And I'm sure they've done that in a different assumption Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. But, you the know, Essex twang, it the, gets me a certain... The Essex twang, the Essex sorry twang, yeah. it's just never good. Berkshire borders. Yeah. But it, my respect for you is absolutely no different yeah. based on... And, and I'm sure you won't mind me sharing your turning up where everyone else is wearing suits in a baseball cap last week. But then you so absolutely rocked it. <laughs> and, and I actually have more respect for that than yeah. than slightly... Com- I'm, not a, I'm not a massive rebel. I'm not... I did dye my hair pink once. That was on accident. <laughs> that was at uni. Um, but I'm not a huge, huge rebel in, in the traditional sense. But I kind of like that. You know, do yeah. your thing. Just be... I, I think... I'll, look, the one thing, especially over the last year, doing that, uh, it's what, episode 35 now... And people I've spoke to, and the one thing that keeps coming through, and the one is that 
whatever we're doing in life, whatever we're, it's got to be that we live a life true to ourselves, surely. If that, and if that, everyone I've yeah. spoke to in that book, The, the big, um, Five Regrets of the Dying, the mm. biggest regret of the dying is that I didn't live a life true to myself. Like, if that is it, and I'm going to lie down on my deathbed, whatever that looks like, whatever pound notes I've got in the bank, whatever business I've run or whatever I've, you know, I've contributed in some way, If as long as I can lie and go, you know what, I'll give it a good go and I've done it on my terms and who I am, then I think I'll be okay with that, you know? I think, uh, Do you know, it's also, it, we use this word, and this is this is a word really coming through an awful lot, um, authenticity. Yeah, yeah massive. Yeah. Just living your authentic life. Mm. And it's like, we were at an event last week, yeah. uh, amazing venue, Twickenham Stadium, yeah. I mean... Let's Love give it. Brad a shout out. Brad Network, my Brad. club, great summer social. Oh, ep- Loved epic it. Epic night. Epic, <laughs> epic, epic night. Do you know I wasn't actually initially going to go? Okay. Bearing in mind, Twickenham said. I was going to say, it's Reason got your name, won't it? <laughs> well, you'd think. Um, I've actually been there a lot, lot sure, recently. Sure. So I was there for the Premiership final a couple of weeks ago. And then at Harlequins, we had our big summer kickoff, which is what our new, now hopefully going to yeah. continue summer event where it's the last home game of the season is moved from the steep over the road. Um, We had, you know, God, I get amazing experiences. Um, It's not the first time I've done this because we've done this with big game an awful lot, but we do coaching clinics on the pitch. We uh, run guards of honour, so I'm stood in the middle of the pitch when all the boys run out, herding cats with kids with flags. Um, (laughs) And that we get to demo referee kids at half-time. So I've refereed on the pitch at Twickenham Stadium quite a few times now. And then I thought, oh, God, do I really want to stand next to it and have a barbecue? Because, God, I've been up there so many times. And then the FOMO completely kicked in when I realised who was going. And actually, it completely changed the perspective of me of, um, I'm actually really privileged to do these things. I'm really lucky to do this. And actually, it's the people at that event that I really wanted to make it. And there was a little train posse going, and I was like, I don't want to miss that. And for me, it it really kind of made me going, oh, my God. I didn't want to be like a a Twicken and Wanker. Uh, and then I ended up turning up being a chicken and wanker because I was going, oh, I'm not going to go. And I just actually, no, oh, take take the privilege, take and go. That's an amazing opportunity. Yeah, I'm so yeah. lucky to do the things I do and have the experiences I had. And, you know, I was, I was on um, a keynote speaker webinar yesterday with Sir Clive Woodward. Amazing, we amazing. had lunch with Mike Tindall not long ago. Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah. And, and I could you could get a little bit complacent and think, well, this is my life. This is what I do. No, this is great. We're living our best lives. Actually say it what it is. I was a fangirl. This is amazing. Don't not be authentic and just be like, oh, yeah, of course, I was just lunching the other week. Don't do it. Just say what it is. I think that's it. I think it's recognising what... uh, you know, we will make choices in our lives, whatever that looks like. And of course, we've running businesses and doing it. And sometimes they're the things we put on social media. I've just been to Twickenham Stadium. You know, people don't necessarily then see the two o'clock in the morning emails that you're trying to sort out and stuff that you're doing in the background. But um, I do. I do think that the the plus side to that exactly that that going this is great this is and, and be proud of that and go you know what I've I've chosen this path and it's but it's an enjoyable one and you can have fun as much as there's stresses and strains that come with it absolutely on the other side there is a a great life there and and there are opportunities that if you're open to those opportunities they're there for you aren't they no absolutely and and actually. It is interesting what you say about that social media side of things and you do your networking and LinkedIn's changed from God when I started, 
and was first on it yeah. 4,000 years ago. And it is becoming more of a social network than just, this is my business profile and find me yeah, and yeah, give me a job. Yeah. But again, I try not to bleed. And it's very, very difficult. And you go down the Instagram route of life um, yeah. and you, you, you don't want to show the, the kind of more vulnerable side so, of you, I guess. You want to present yeah. an image. Um, and then business, you certainly have to present a certain image. But actually, I did. Do, do, do you though? Do you think? Well, do you think that that, and and do you think that that's the case that you you can't yes. necessarily present a certain. I, th- I know. I no. I think you have to frame it correctly. Hmm. Um, and I think different platforms require different frameworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if it's your personal Insta and Facebook and things like that now bearing in mind we are of the old generation <laughs> yeah. Facebook for me is still keeping up with all my family and yeah, friends yeah, across yeah, the yeah, world course, it's not much I've got like a hundred and something friends yeah, you know yeah, yeah. let's be real yeah. I, we're not talking any high level Instagram followers here but um, it is just the posting up the keeping up the kids sharing the kids yeah, info yeah, yeah. that kind of thing um, and you kind of show your best life ish yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- things like LinkedIn where it's about a network um, it is still a professional network, hmm. and I do think that you can frame it within a professional mindset yeah, to show yeah. that it's not. I actually did put on the post that we got. If anyone who's in any way on our LinkedIn's has yeah, all yeah. seen Brad, big up Brad, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the amazing photos from a great night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I framed it in. I am really lucky to be able yeah, to do yeah, this and call it work. Yeah, yeah. I've had that. some amazing experiences yeah. recently, and I get to call it work. Yeah. And that's the framing of it. Yeah, yeah. If you are wanting to put something out there that maybe shows your more vulnerable side or your, or what would be perceived to be a negative, yeah, yeah. it's how you present that in a professional way. Yeah, so yeah. there's no way of saying, there's no harm in saying, you know, actually, I'm struggling right now. Actually, yeah, yeah. it's been stressful. Yeah, yeah. But it's, who are you talking to and who is your audience? Are you talking to your best mate who's going to then come around with a bottle of wine and go, come on then, tell me? Or are you putting it out there to say, actually, it's okay for us to say we're stressed, we need help, we need support. Um, I put something out on LinkedIn because I, the work balance that I was having had shifted and and the workload was too much, um, which leads me to, I've just taken on an HR admin and bringing on some more associates to make sure I can still do what I want to do yeah, yeah, yeah. and have the balance that I have. And that went out on LinkedIn. It's like, yeah, we're, we, we're expanding. We need more. Yeah, yeah. That is also a, I need help. But it's framed in the professional way. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I do agree because I, I think that I've, all, I've, I've spoke about it quite a lot recently and, I, and about, you know, I, I don't necessarily mean to turn up at a networking event because ultimately people would, I'd like to think would say I'm quite a positive person I've generally got a smile on my face people go I ask things oh, yeah yeah okay and you know prior to lockdown it was very much like I ask things yeah 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 great everything's great mm-hmm. I don't mean to turn up and then when people go if I am stressed or whatever and things are getting on top of me, you spin some plates you go oh, fucking hell, I'm not you know I'm not coping with things at the moment necessarily but you go and people say I Actually, I don't mean to go, oh, yeah, I'm having a really bad time. And uh, Like you said, it's how you reframe it. Mm. I think you can still, I think people can still be vulnerable and still say, actually, things are not great. This is going on yeah. at the minute, this is going on. And uh, like you said, I think what I'll take from that and what's quite important is that is the how, what, who are you actually trying to speak to? Because some people maybe, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Gemini, but some people you can maybe put it out there and because you want to get some form of reaction or whatever that looks yeah. like, if it is just genuinely, look, 
this is how I'm feeling at the moment. This is the problems I'm having, and it, I'm just reaching out because mm. you might, because you've built a big network, then people might come to you and go, mate, didn't realise you were struggling a little bit with that. Look, I can help with X, Y, and Z, and that that might be a. So there's thing. yeah, and there's a really big thing. So one of the things I've started doing recently was um, I've started the RFU England Coaches Mentoring Award, right. um, and this is rugby focused, yeah. but the crossover to life and business is huge. Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because from from a rugby part, I mean, let, let's jump into that about the sport <laughs> and, and rugby. Because you've played rugby at a very high stage. You know, we've already mentioned, you know, Harlequins and Dawkins, and so yeah. talk to me about rugby. Talk to me about you know your sporting life, I guess, and that. But mainly, what I'm really keen is exactly what you're alluding to there. Is what skills have you taken from from your career in rugby to into business as well? got everything um <laughs> so getting back into rugby has been child-led uh okay. and and that they needed a coach and there was no one else um and that was kind of okay and actually it's taken me down a path that i didn't i thought was closed off to me mm. um you never want to have regrets however i wish i was 25 years younger because <laughs> the opportunity i really do in so many ways yeah, yeah. uh but the opportunities that are available to people coming out of university or going into university even and looking at the, the courses and the choices that they're doing. When I was coming out of university, even the men were not professional rugby players. That yeah, had not yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so the opportunities of coaching and community and foundation and all of these things, just that just it just didn't even exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, my regret is that I was born at a different time, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. And that actually, if I, if I could do it again, I probably would have looked at a career down that path. Yeah. And actually, I then recently reframed that into, I want to do more with my coaching. I've kind of sat in COVID. We were very limited. It's been really, really tough. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, many seasons affecting. You see the effect on the kids. We've been really fortunate at Dorking Youth. In our age group, we didn't lose that many kids. And we actually gained more coming out of COVID really really strong squad you know really great to see um, and massive growth in the women's and the girls section there's been so much put into that side of things um, which is fantastic and I kind of got to a point the business is doing really well business is expanding and that's kind of doing its own thing nicely yeah. and actually like we say the expansion of having a bit more time to myself and now my son's nearly 14 so actually I want to get something back for me yeah. And I was looking at the options of coaching and that there were jobs going of, do I just want to go and do a part-time coaching job like and really cut the business down or completely change my life? And I was like, yeah, don't be slightly ridiculous. Um, but it isn't about not doing something and not taking the opportunity. It's about looking at, well, I can't do that opportunity, so what can I do to then try and make it work with the parameters of what I've got right now? Mm. And as my son puts it, I had my midlife crisis. I don't think it's a midlife crisis. <laughs> I just think yeah I, I just it's an, an itch a scratch or whatever it might be and I just went you know what Dorking women play at inner warrior level it's so inclusive I met many of the team I met one of the female coaches um, when she was brought the girls up to a, a, a day a, a festival at Harlequins and I just went yeah go on then when they said do you want to play I was like go on like, yeah go on let's give it one more go um and then that led into, well, actually, can you play a coach? Um, which then led into this mentoring award that I've started, which is then also going to, when I finish that, lead into doing the advanced 
uh, level coaching uh, certificate um, with the old level three as it oh, used yeah. to be, which will leave me in quite a small number of women that have actually achieved that level. Um, but I'm really, really, really pleased that I've chosen Dorking and we're involved with Dorking because our director of rugby, Armand, give you a shout out, Armand, um, he is absolutely on board in bringing that parity for women and men. Um, and really looking at you know looking at reframing language and the website and how it's presented and that the women have the same we are women seniors against the men seniors we're at the same yeah, level we've got women colts not just the under 18s yeah. the language is the same we have access to the director of strength and conditioning who's probably going to hurt us through pre-season <laughs> lovely guy dan <laughs> but oh my god he's going to hurt us um and because you must have seen him massive shift and change in that then I'm assuming from playing rugby 15, 20 years ago to where it is now women in, well, in yeah, the sport. Well yeah it was even longer ago school and uni yeah, yeah, yeah. really but um, yeah no I mean when I first started going on courses with the RFU um, and, and even the basics the ready for rugby's and the safeguarding things you have to do you just have yeah, to yeah, do yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was always the only woman um, when um, and invariably I am the only woman and sadly still occasionally like might get one other woman is, that, is there any like from your point like, does that not phase you in any way like going into that environment um you're no. you're obviously a really, I was going to say <laughs> and, I, and I would expect uh, that to be the no. like, you're, um, you're, you're such a confident person that Oh and God, have, yeah, have but I still have anxieties. Don't yeah, don't yeah, get I'm anything sure. wrong that I, I come across as a confident. I am a confident person, um, but absolutely walking into a room full of men. I mean, ten fifteen years ago, walking through a room full of men was very is very different from when it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, I mean, sexism in the game has been massive, and I have been subjected, and still, unfortunately, to this day. Again, we talked about this unconscious bias. It's still massively there. Um, it's just less obvious. So one of the worst things that I think ever happened, I mean, there's been quite a lot, but one of the things that really sticks out was many years ago when I first started working for Quinns, um, we were doing, we did a camp, I'm at the stoop, I'm in the hole, shebangaboo, I got it yeah, all on. Yeah, all the, yeah. I'm the only female coach, yeah. but we've all got the kit. We've yeah, all got yeah, the lanyard, yeah, we're all in it. And this guy... We're going to call him Range Rover Dad. Let's, why not? <laughs> Range Rover Dad comes up to me and goes, so are you the childcare for the day? Will you be looking after them at lunch? Wow. And wow. I kind of looked at him and just went, why have you asked me that? And he goes, oh, well, I just thought that that's, you, were you, are you here for childcare purposes? I said, no, I'm a fully qualified rugby coach. Wow. I've, this isn't childcare. This is a rugby camp, a skills camp. And he kind of looked at me and it was a bit like, oh, right, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> and I just, that that wasn't unconscious bias, that was just bias. Yeah, that was just yeah, sexism, yeah, yeah. pure and simple. It is hilarious. Um, what is great about a lot of the RFU courses are they're very practical yeah. and you role play an awful lot, which involves quite a lot of touch rugby. Yeah, yeah. And you can often win quite a few points within the first beginning part of the game because the guys go... 
Oh, where do I touch her? There's only one woman. How do I do touch? And then the next thing, you know, I might have got a little bit too feisty and touch has kind of gone into a bit of a shoulder and they're like, okay, right, this yeah, is this where is it stands. Easy. We're fine. Yeah. And you do, it's actually it, but quite... But you have to almost, is it that you almost have to earn that respect from no, them in I that sense? Or what, what, like, but, but I'm no, just saying, like, they the look at you and around. go... No, it's kind of the other way around. It's almost like in, in those scenarios, it's almost like they're asking permission they're oh. not quite sure how to deal with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how to deal with me, but yeah. they don't quite know. These old in my day coaches, you know, I played, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rah, rah, I'm now coaching. Rah, rah. They, they kind of, they're not entirely, or they certainly weren't entirely sure how to deal with a woman. And so it's yeah. for you to lead them and guide them and say, this is okay. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is all right. Yeah, 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 um, sure. And it kind of almost is, it's giving them kind of permission to say oh yeah okay I've not done this I've not played rugby with a woman before but that's yeah. okay yeah. and certainly now I mean we have a thriving touch uh, match group at Dorking um, that has oh god it could be up to 100 people on a Wednesday night over wow. different age groups mixed really mixed yeah um, I wouldn't say it's 50-50 but there's a really good mixed women to men ratio yeah, and things yeah. like that to the point where now there's touch tournaments as well so again if anyone thinks that rugby is not for them I'll do a little bit of recruitment because we have got massive ambitions for the women's side yeah, uh, for Dorking so if anyone is in the Surrey area or northern yeah, Sussex yeah, yeah. and is a woman of any age trust me yeah. any age <laughs> um, that just wants to give it a go and just thinks I really love this and the momentum of women's sport at the moment and if you just yeah, think yeah, yeah I kind of fancy it I can't Let's see if yeah, I can yeah, tackle yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, just get in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can take it from there. We're, uh, we've got absolute novices. Yeah. Never seen a rugby ball, never touched a rugby ball. Um, and so, yeah, just come in and join. And like I say, you can do it at a touch level. Yeah, yeah. You can do it right up to full contact if you fancy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, you know, I I had one of my worst injuries. Um, I had a triple fracture of my arm and a dislocation of the elbow at the same time. was from uh, an ex-professional male rugby player getting a little bit too tasty and feisty in a touch match on an RFU course tackling wow. me from behind and landing on my elbow wow. so when you know you can give them the, that permission yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it can get quite fun yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. smashing me arm yeah smashing not, my arm it's fine but what, what then so because obviously you've been involved in the game at them different levels and, and now obviously coaching but just talk to me I guess like Give me a couple of key key traits that you've taken from from sport, being involved in the sporting environment, that change and whatever into, into into business. Do you know what, actually? It was Sir Clive Woodward that put it absolutely best. There is absolutely nothing, no difference between sport and business, because at the end of the day, it's just getting the best out of people. Love that. And it that is just it. Yeah. Um, there are so many things that you as either a player or a coach that you anyone who's participating in sport can take with them into any part of their life in work whether they're going to be an entrepreneur business family whatever it might be you know you will learn communication skills you will learn how to work on your own and set your own targets and your own goals but you can also potentially work in a team if you're in a team sport um, you will look to manage those other personalities. Even if you're doing a solo sport, you will have coaches, you will have PTs, you'll have physios. You manage those relationships. You manage your time. 
if you're not professional, yeah. how do you manage your diary? How do you get in your, you know, are you working your tr- nutrition? Are you planning? All of these time management skills, all of these, you're negotiating your situation. Well, actually, I can't turn up to work today because I got smashed in the face on Sunday. Well, actually, I've got to negotiate myself out of that. All of those skills yeah. come from sport. Um, and as a coach, the the mentoring side of things the leadership skills that you can develop um not just managing people but actually leading people you there's can a difference there isn't there between huge. between but and i always again i relate back to the salon but be it difference between uh, elite i had mark woolley on the here uh, other day and he, we released his episode monday but it was fascinating for me because I, I would see him as a leader uh, yeah uh, uh, built a global yeah. brand um whereas you know uh, not being detrimental to myself, I, it was my first business. But I, the learnings I, I guess I took from that is that I wasn't a leader; I was a boss. I went in with a preconception of what that looks like, and there was a huge difference. That's what Massive I really difference. take from what you're saying is about true leadership. And I guess from you playing at the level you played at, coaching as well as a, as a coach leading, and then relating all that uh, as a business owner and being a leader as well. Yeah, it is, and it it was interesting and starting this mentor course actually reminded me how much I do put into the business Mm. and even though this was purely about we you know we're looking at coaching other coaches or looking at coaching players not necessarily elite players I'm not actually that interested in mentoring mentoring an elite player I'm actually more I don't think the impact would be so great Mm. I'm actually more interested at looking at mentoring someone who's starting a journey or coming back into a journey or had maybe some adversity with injury Mm. um, and looking at imparting the knowledge that I have to support them to find out how they're going to come to that journey. Those skills are leadership skills. Those skills uh, are are just something you're going to take through. But also there's another thing with sport and and again, family-orientated side of it is that I know my son's massively into sport. He's really annoying. He's that what he's that kid that goes, "Oh, what's this sport? What's the rules?" <laughs> I'm great at it. <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh, for God's sake, not another." No, he's not doing it. Like and the coach goes, mm, "Is he interested in playing this?" No, no, no. it's all for fun. Thanks very <laughs> yeah. much. Um, but I know, especially through rugby, rugby is his passion. Cricket's his passion. He likes a bit of basketball, tennis, all these other bits and pieces. He, I can send him off to you. Okay, yeah, he wants to go and play for England. Thinks he's going to get scouted. Yeah. you never know but yeah. you've got to have a backup so when he goes to university um, I know he's going to sign up to the rugby team yeah. and he's got 60 mates instantaneously they've got something to talk about they've yeah. got a commonality it's a community straight away yeah, straight yeah. away so yeah. that whole nervousness of those situations for him yeah. I kind of know and sport can do that it also really helps bizarrely within networking because we do the whole businessy. Oh, what do you do in your business? Oh, what do you do with this? And I'm like, oh, I know HR and blah 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 and this and that and the other. Well, also I've got a hobby job of I'm a rugby coach. Really now, I and just I, you know I can play on it of the female rugby coach thing. You can play on that side of things, but it is there's levels, and they do this thing with the mentoring about the tri- triangle of rapport, yeah. and that the first is the chit chat. The oh hey how are you doing? What's the weather yeah. like? Because we always ask about the weather. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of delve into a little bit more information and it's a little bit more fact-finding-y. Yeah. And then you go into thoughts and feelings. And as you move through, all of those things as you build that relationship builds the rapport. Yeah. And, you know, that 
interesting fact, I guess, mm. uh, that makes me different in business yeah. is that I am a female rugby coach alongside an owner, manager, director. Love that. And, that, and, they're, the th- and, and they're the things that do, because fundamentally, and I've said this, and we've done the whole thing with Inside Stories recently, and everything we learn about county business, ultimately people buy from people. That, that's that's the thing. Whatever business we're in, whatever we do, over 13 years, different businesses I've run, everything is people buy from people, and that yeah. that and it's that building that relationship, that rapport, as you say, the skill. But I'm the same as you. Like playing football at the level I did, and playing and and just being around football for as long as I was, and not being in a changing room, and a banter, and all the stuff that comes with that. The confidence to then walk into a crowded room where you don't know people and just go. The same. The first day yeah. you walk in, I walked into Tim's me when I just signed from. You don't know anyone, and you straight away you just get involved, and and it's there you have to do. And honestly, that that taking that into a networking environment and yeah. being able to but communication, also, isn't but it? But managing those personalities, you've walked into a locker room, and you're not going to like everyone. Yeah. And actually, course, you're yeah. going to hear things. Um, and trust me, female locker rooms can be a bit feisty too. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, but you're going to hear things that maybe you don't necessarily agree with. Um, you're going to hear opinions. You're going to hear um, the way that the language that people use that isn't you don't agree with. Yeah. And actually being able to manage that relationship and go, I don't necessarily agree with you, but out on that pitch I've got to work with you. Mm. I've got a massive, and especially with rugby, an element of trust, especially as a forward yeah, in a scrum, in a ruck, don't kick ma- me in yeah, the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, who's got my back when I'm oh. tackling some, you know, in that, in that scrum as a unit, as a pack, everyone's working to, they call it a pack for a reason. Mm. Um, I might, someone might have expressed some really horrific views, but on that pitch, I've then got to work with them. Mm. And I think that's actually one of the things that we're really struggling with post-COVID in a business world and why we're seeing in HR so many grievances, disciplinaries, issues, employment relations, problems, Mm. is that people have forgotten, everything's been polarised, everyone's been separated in opinions. And then, you know, we've had Brexit and Farage, we've got Trump and and bringing not necessarily populist views, giving it a voice again. Um... And we've got vaccine, not vaccine. You know, everything is a polar opinion. And then we've all come back into this workplace, and we've forgotten how. I keep saying we've forgotten how to office. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna trademark this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we have. I'm saying it now. I'm trademarking it. Forgotten how to office. People have forgotten that you don't have to agree with someone's opinions and views, and as long as they're not doing anything offensive in the workplace or against you or bullying or harassment or anything like that. But they can have their own opinions and views, but you still have to work with them mm. and find a way to work with them because you're not going to get on with everyone in life. And anyone who thinks that is very naive. And if you've been in sport, there's so many things that you will have learned of there's going to be people that you didn't like in that locker room, but you needed them on the pitch or in your you know, support team yeah. or on your bench. Um. And actually, I think a lot of people could really do with relearning that coming back from COVID. The other big thing that you would take yeah. to business from it is um, I think people who have been involved in sport in any way have a better coping mechanism for failure. Yeah, okay. Um, and I know that's one, of, and I've heard yeah. you speak amazingly and brilliantly about failure. Mm. 
failed a lot, so it's, it's easy for me to talk. It's a subject <laughs> I'm an expert Brilliantly, in, <laughs> uh, but very openly, very candidly, and massively reflectively, mm. which is so important. Everyone should be able to, yeah, to yeah. do that. And I think that if you have been, you will have had losses. You will have either played and had losses or coached and had to talk you know the amount of team talks I've had to give mm. after a loss to a team yeah, yeah. and a lot of people say to me okay, what, what do you do what do you say yeah, when yeah, it's yeah, this yeah. bad and quite a lot of the time actually just a quiet word of yeah this hurts but that's okay yeah. and a lot of the time we when we're working with children especially it's about looking at all of their positives it's not hiding the negatives but it's about going okay that's not worked out but these were the really it's reframing it it's these were the really good bits these are the works on mm. um and obviously there's the nelson mandela quote no one loses you're either winning or learning yeah, and that's yeah. you know absolutely yeah. i've said it for years yeah. um many people say it over and over again um mistakes are the best thing i love one of my my co- mistakes are the best thing in the world in training yeah. because people who make mistakes give us an opportunity to correct them and learn so they don't do them in the mat yeah. and it's like a kid can be the i tell you what teenage boys are mean <laughs> yeah. um and you know they're like, oh my god you dropped the ball like you're so stupid oh my god can't you even catch a ball it's like okay let's just stop on that we've made a mistake yeah. but was the mistake theirs or yours how are we going to work as a team to get this better let's have this mistake now so we're not doing it at the match and and it's that reframing of things and I will quite often, if we're having a festival, we'll quite often have festival, kids' festivals before match days at Quinn's. It's always really bad weather. I think it's destined. I just, I think yeah. it's just what yeah. happens. Need the to- Sam Thomas get weather guarantee. That's what you need. We do need the Sam Thomas weather guarantee. <laughs> always sunny. Oh, trust me, some of the weather we've done in sideways snow is just oh, in wow. sleet. It's just in wind has been amazing. But resilient kids playing. There's always seems to be one team that will get tanked, and there's always yeah. going to be one that's just having a really hard day. And actually, I will make an absolute promise to go and talk to them. They're the team I will go to the most. Not the winners, not the ones that are spe- you know, having an easy day and smashing it and living yeah. life and going, yeah, I'm great, I smashed it at Quinn's. But actually going to the team and just bringing them all over and in and the coach is like, why do you want to talk to them? And I was like, let me just have a quick word. And I'm nothing, I'm just a coach. I'm just there. I just happen to be in yeah. all the kit and all the gear, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 the yeah. full kit thing. Yeah, yeah. So they look at you and just go, you're in the full kit. And you do represent the clock. And just by saying to me going like, you know what? Actually, that last match, you could have given up and none of you did. You all kept your heads up. You played to that last. Yeah, I know it didn't go your way. But the skills that you showed and actually the improvement you showed, you never stopped trying. That makes me, I'm really impressed by that. And you walk away from them. And like one of the kids will be just like, oh my God, the Harlequins coach turned around and told me that they were impressed by something I did. That's what they've taken away from that day. They could have been the worst player on the pitch, but that's what they've taken away. That's the responsibility that you have as a coach. I love that. I love that. And it even, like, I relate that even to our own kids and like, allowing them to make mistakes, but actually going, you know what, I've always, no matter what our kids do, you know what, I was, I was like your son, I was into every sport. And wherever <laughs> I played, I was never brilliant at, but I could play. I could pick up a tennis racket and be okay at it. I could play bad, whatever it was. And I was expecting, again, having twins, I was like, what? Well, 
they're both going to be heavy. Neither of them into any sports <laughs> whatsoever. I'm like, they're seven. You got the I've, I've, still, I've still got, you know, we still you got, got time. Seven you years. got time. They're they're still young. They're still young. <laughs> but you, you, you go, but whatever they do, do whatever it is that they do, as long as long as they give it their best, your best. As long as your best is your best, and you're doing everything you can, there's a positive to take out of that. And as yeah. long as they don't give up, like that's something I try and drill into them so much that just not to give up, just keep going and and have that. That drive and determination, and if it doesn't work out, it's just learn from that, and we can be okay. So one of the things, and it, my kid now is now of an age where he's getting very gobby, and we'll turn and go, "Oh, mum, stop coaching me." <laughs> um, but I always made it a really big thing um, when he comes home from school. I don't say, "Oh, how's your, how's your day been?" and yeah. expect him to be able to articulate how his how day has been. been. Yeah, 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 sure. I asked, I've always asked him from when he was teeny tiny of what made you smile today? Who made you happy today? And it could be that it was I played with someone in the playground and usually invariably it revolves around food (laughs) with my child. After my own heart. Five, six meals a day at (laughs) least. God, he ate six hot dogs last night. It was insane. (laughs) But there's always that opportunity to say, well, what went well for you today? And he's like, was there anything that made you a bit sad? Or was there anything, obviously the language has changed as he got older, but is there anything that didn't go so well? Is there anything you mm. want to talk about? And he'll go, oh my God, this boy pushed me and it really made me sad. And, and actually, the relationship we now have is that I know more about his moods and uh, moody teenager gods in the house. Kevin mm. and Perry hit large at the yeah. weekend. Um, but I, I understand him more from though, him telling me those questions than me saying, oh, I think you did that really well today. Quite often asking him, what do you think you did good? Well, yeah, what, what was yeah. good today? Yeah. Um, what wasn't so great? Yeah, what would you, what, what were you going to do next time? If that happens again tomorrow, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, and the, uh, the courses and the coaching courses that we go on, they all are t- open-ended questions. Is like the fundamentals to absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, and you can apply that in everything. You can apply it to your family. And we're talking about kids. But actually, again, that's just managing a relationship. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly the same in business when you've got employees or, yeah. or colleagues or networking or clients is managing that relationship. Yeah. yeah. So, and you're right. Sport, business, home life, all, everything. So all of them things all link up to relationships, building relationships, what that looks like relationships and communication Mm. and the skills that you can learn from sport especially I guess but especially more so in a team environment you get you get those skills don't you you've got to be able to communicate and you've got to be able to yeah and it just comes back to Clive as he likes to be called yeah 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 not Sir Clive (laughs) Uh, in that you know business and sports exactly the same it's just about getting the best out of people love it and (laughs) Let's just touch quickly before we move on. We'll kind of come up to the final couple of questions just before we do it. I know we've touched on culture already, mm. um, but ultimately, I guess with within a business environment, within the sports environment, especially as a coach as well, I guess those sort of skill sets that you take from them, building a strong culture and foundation within a company as well as, well as within a, a sporting environment. But I'm keen from a HR perspective, I guess going in, and because it's all about relationships, what you, what you do, what just give me a couple of maybe some of the clients that you've sort of worked with or things you've seen over the years about some maybe bad culture traits and maybe a couple, one or two good culture traits that you've sort of noticed over there. Yeah, culture traits, um, bad practices, oh, God, are plenty. <laughs> um, it, 
I guess because of what we do and specialising in small businesses, they're kind of a bit more obvious. Yeah, sure. Um, When you've got much bigger, larger organisations, there's lots of layers to it and the cultures and things change and and move. So they are more obvious and there is a lot. Um, I would say to try and get whatever you choose your culture to be, that is entirely your choice. But the key words I would always say is consistency mm-hmm. transparency and fairness Brilliant. because from an HR perspective we have to be consistent if you apply, like we talked about it before yeah, yeah, yeah. if we apply one thing to one person you apply it to the same yeah. um, when you get in trouble and you go end up in tribunal courts or people are looking at discrimination they look at comparators they compare themselves to someone that was treated differently or the same or however they want it so consistency across the board whatever your message is it is consistent the transparency of it as well a lot of people are a little bit scared to kind of lay their cards on the table a little bit too much with their culture and actually being open and talking to people um i think it's a little bit gone this kind of well i don't know it kind of rears its head a little bit every so often but the whole 80s wall street corner office what's my business card doing and actually the more I've been networking over the sort of the last 18 months I've kind of noticed in certain areas there's a little bit of that still (laughs) creeping in and you're just like you know that real big masculine (laughs) energy thing going on um and I guess it works in some areas but actually I think now especially with small businesses it's it's a very fine line and a balance of transparency and openness and communication and being willing to talk Mm. and being willing to get that feedback and again it goes back to reflection and that leaders need to reflect and actually reflect on the business but look at themselves um, and be open to that feedback Um, and then fairness is just you know the god you could go through the rhetoric and the ed- academic papers yeah, on yeah. motivators and all, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Maslow's hierarchies of needs and all of this. If you do a staff survey and you talk about what motivates people, money might be around the place, but actually fairness and actually yeah. being treated fairly is always right up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, with the consistency comes the fairness and they kind of interlink with each other. Are you being fair to that person? Are you being a fair employer? Are you being fair to a client? Yeah, across the board, I love that. Across the board. And that's that's great advice. And so I guess so many people, like I said, it's something that we, I guess as a starting point, people starting out, like, you know, entrepreneurs listening to this who may be thinking about starting their own business, that, those co- traits that you're talking about right at the starting point getting that right from a culture is yeah. if you can get that right it stops me getting the phone calls of yeah, I need yeah. to sack someone yeah, and it's yeah, really tricky because yeah. he's my best mate yeah, so yeah, one of yeah. the, the biggest things that we see um, with small businesses that haven't maybe had any influence of HR or any perception or knowledge of HR themselves is especially where they've employed their friends and it is so easy to be done because you get really excited about your passion project yeah. and then you get all a little yeah. bit over-enthusiastic and then you get a little bit too busy and then your mate's like, oh, I'll, look, I'll come on board, it's okay, and then everything's fine. Or you've brought on staff and they've been with you for quite a long time and you've got a really close relationship that they have become friends and really good friends. And then your business gets to a certain point and a certain size and 
one of the hardest things to do is change your mindset, but also change the mindset of that organization mm. to you are the boss, you are the manager, you are the leader. Mm. And they need to see you as that. And quite a lot of the conflict that you get in small businesses is where those lines have blurred. And I always say to someone, like people come to me going, oh, Lilla, you know, I've got this situation, I'm gonna employ my mate in, as a sales role. So. And I'm just like, ask yourself if you can employ him or her or them, can you sack him or her or them? And if that would be too difficult or awkward for you to sack them, should you be doing it in the first place? Because it's hard, isn't it? Because as a, as a leader, as a point, you want to. You also, if you're, if it's in your nature, this is where I struggle with a little bit. Because if, it, if it's in your nature to be actually quite a nice person, you want to be friendly with everyone, and you want to be people's mates, and blah blah blah. That's great, but and that's again back to I'll go back to the salon. But I, I, I was, I think, like three years of not being myself because I am that type. Of, I want people to like me. I mm. go out, and I'm that's the type of love building relationships. I've built businesses on building relationships. Blah blah blah. And you look at that, but I was there, and I. I thought I had to be this serious person, so I wasn't naturally myself, but I, th there was a disconnect for me mm. where I was like, I've got to be this serious person because I can't be their friend because I've got to be a boss. And that's where it, and like you said, I think there's a really fine line yeah. there between getting that right between, uh, yeah. of course we c I can be myself and we can build a relationship and be good friends and be close as an environment. But ultimately, we've, we're, we've got a vision here and which is what we're trying to do and, you've, and you're gonna be part of that. And it's like, so we kind of, we can set parameters around things and a lot of it, you know, there are actually things like legal, I'm not going to get too boring no. on legal stuff, but employers' liability around socialising and alcohol um, yeah, and, sure, and sure. work events. Yeah. And when does a work event become a private event? Yeah. And I always say that, we, you know, right into policies for work events is, I call it the wedding rule, that within a specified time and place, we will provide you with half a bottle of wine per person or two pints of lager or alternative softs. Yeah. That's kind of what you get as the wedding rule yeah, of the wedding yeah, breakfast yeah, and you get. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, it's a reasonable amount to so say, yeah, you're gonna have a nice time and I want, you know, this is a social event on work, but it's not so much that really, especially with food, oh. could cause, and there's always one or two that <laughs> they can't quite handle even a couple of pipes. Um, I can't quite understand that myself, no, 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 you know, no. but, <laughs> good rugby girl, but, um, there's always going to be there's always going to be anomalies, but on average with food, that should be about the right amount that someone's not going to be so drunk that they're out of control and could be a liability. What happens then after that, where you've got those clear parameters, is you know their responsibility, different location, and the company's not liable. And for leaders and managers and owners, I say the same thing to them: do the wedding party rule, stay for the meal and the half bottle of wine and the two pints then let them go and enjoy themselves. Yeah. You're still being social, you're still being true to yourself, you don't have to be this serious person and change. Yeah. But it's knowing... But don't go break dancing till two o'clock in the morning with them. Only with the postmates. <laughs> I'll see you down revenge later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, look, to, the, the one thing obviously I always talk about is, is, <clears throat> is work-life balance. Between the rugby, between the family, between the business, what's it like for you, work-life balance? Um, it can be chaotic sometimes, mm. you know, it can be busy. Um, we're not a family that tends to sit and do nothing too often. Yeah. Um, I think 
it's knowing your parameters. And, I, and I've spoken about this with the business when I set it up. Um, I was very, very clear of 9.30 to 2.30, Monday to Thursday. I still am very, very clear. I just have a few more hours to give to the business. But setting boundaries, you're obviously I quite abso- good at your... Yeah, really absolutely at that, setting boundaries. Um, I absolutely firmly believe, I truly firmly believe that the whole ethos of when you're at work, you're in mindset of work. When you're at home, you can do that. That doesn't work. If anyone looks at a working parent and thinks that they're going to separate their headspace, it's unrealistic. Yeah, and yeah. you need to be um, flexible within that. Because if you actually give people the space to be authentically themselves as a working parent, you'll get the most out of them yeah, yeah. wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Sure. For me, um, to make sure I can achieve everything I want to do, I do set massive boundaries. Um, I have a work phone and I have a home phone. Mm. And the work phone is on silent from four o'clock every day and goes off at four o'clock on Friday and doesn't go back on until nine o'clock on Monday morning. I missed a social event that I kind of would have loved to have gone to at the weekend because I didn't see it on my work phone. And it was a work social event. Uh, Big up Stuart Moffat. Right. See you later. I'm yeah, so yeah. gutted not to see. We're, we're having a trip up to Scotland, don't worry. Yeah, well, we're me going, and Tom Hooper organised some, it. Someone could teach you how to play golf. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, and but that's okay because that was not the time for me to look at my phone. And I have missed something, but I'll catch up with Stuart. And see, that, that's such an amazing. Like, uh, uh, but are you are you okay in your head? Are you okay to be able to go? I've switched that phone off at four. I'm, I won't think about it. Um, I'm now. I'll, that's my work time's over. I am now. I'm present with the family or going to rugby, whatever it is. And you're able. That your mindset's completely in that. Or do, is there there's always there's always going to be a bit of leakage? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. it's always <laughs> yeah. going like, to creep in, or you know, and it's natural that my husband will come home from work and we'll talk about our day. Mm. Um, and yeah, absolutely, you know, some really stressful situations. We've got um, quite difficult disciplinaries at the moment. And so there is always that time. Mm. But I think by physical boundaries help you clear those mental boundaries. Mm. So I, my LinkedIn is professional. Very, very occasionally I might post something family orientated, but it is very professional around mm-hmm. my sport or business or HR. I have an entirely separate profile on Facebook for business as a person than I do from my personal. Mm-hmm. And Instagram's just me because I have got a work Instagram, but oh God, one's enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they will need more than that in their lives. Um, and I think having those really set boundaries mm. around that kind of like ghostbusters don't cross the streams mm. um occasionally they might need to but very rarely and I, I just think giving giving those real guidelines um i'm also a very structured person in terms of organization lists okay. i love a list, I love a list. <laughs> list. And it's like <laughs> it's actually a known thing within the whole of my wider family my bigger family mm. uh whenever we come up against like crisis or adversity or there's a bit of a family crisis it's like right we're gonna make a list sit down make a list what do we need to <laughs> Jesse's do list is like, right, it's gonna be there's no but like my whole family whenever there's been so my my dad was very unwell with covid and we all, all brothers and sisters came together and it was just like right let's make a list of what we need <laughs> 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 it was like, right, okay. so it's kind of a family trait lists are good um but we have we have organizers i've got a big family chalkboard uh, mm. in the family room by the kitchen and it has got, right, what's the food for the week? 
what's who's doing what there's there's you know kid column my column husband column who's where where we can all visually see we've got the google diary like, yeah, the google yeah. diary is multi multi-colored yeah. uh, it's got what's everything as a family what's the child's school diary and extracurricular activities what's my work diary I don't have my husband's work diary because I don't want it. He doesn't have my work diary because he doesn't want it either. Yeah, 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 but yeah. we can see where, and it, you know, we've got quick, clear rules. Whoever puts it in the family diary first, that's that's, it. A, that's the one that gets I like it. That. I like that. And, and my wife's more organised than me, so she'd put it in the family mm. diary before me. I'm sure. And I'd, that I'd, may I'd be always, a trait. I, I, um, would, I would always, be, I'd, I'd go. Well, but you, well, she's too shy. She's very organised, and she would be. She. Yeah, anyway. But where you where we do lead and 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 busy you know, I, I literally in fact actually I think the last two weeks I have been in a field every single night. For whatever reason. <laughs> Whether it be rugby or cricket. Because yeah. the seasons now it's not winter uh, and summer sports anymore, they just go straight through. Um whether it is my training, uh whether it's me on a coaching course, whether it's my son playing a match or he's training somewhere or he's whichever one we're at. Mm. And actually you have to be organized and you have to get into a routine of it. And you you know, we do meal plan, nutrition plan, um, you know, food delivery, that's done. That goes up on the board. So, and we plan it and we look at the diary and go, right, we need a quick for Monday. We need a quick for Mm. Tuesday. We can have a little bit of a less of a quick on Wednesday. I've got an hour. Oh, exciting. Yeah, yeah. We can actually cook something, you know. And and you have to have those to make. And if you've got that clear structure, it really helps give you a clear mind of where you are and being present at that time. Love that. Something I struggle with, I'm working on. I'm working on, but it's great to <laughs> listen. It's great to listen to people. That's why I always ask it, because, uh, like I said, it becomes therapy for me, the whole podcast thing. But it's, it's, the, it's the one thing that I guess, uh, for me personally, I struggle with. I really find it hard to switch off. So, yeah, just listening to different people, how they work and what they do. But I love the idea. And don't forget, this is how I work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I this appreciate might, everyone's, everyone's, everyone's completely different. Yeah, 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 this course, works so. for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might pick up on one bit and go, that's going to be so, work yeah, great yeah, for me. Yeah. But actually, I'm going to pick up on a bit from over here. And if I put that together that's going to work for my family yeah. and me and my headspace and what I'm doing I think I might leave the who goes in first the diary first because I know I'm going to lose out on that <laughs> <laughs> but we're taking so listen tell me what, what does the future hold for Jess Freeman what does the future hold for Jess Freeman uh, immediately hoping not to break myself playing rugby <laughs> I'd like to st- maybe I'd still be in one piece by the end of the season uh, that would be amazing um yeah, so just even getting to a point where I can go back on. I don't think I'll ever be a starter again, but if I can be a game, what we call a game changer, yeah. a good old sub off the bench um, in a first team match, that'd be amazing. Uh, Business wise, um, yeah, as as I've said, we've expanded. Uh, Jill's great as a new HR admin, opening up a whole new dimension to the company, bringing on some more associates, so we can uh, expand some of the other areas. Um, and for me as a coach, yeah, mentor awards finishes in January that then leads me into my next accreditation that I will start for the following season that will take roughly around a year, maybe a bit longer to achieve. And then who knows? And maybe more combining of the two, um, maybe in my new project so I'm very much involved in a new phase um, I've come on board with a new app called a new icon um, which is really really exciting and it's trying to address an issue within female athletes and sponsorship mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's going to be profiling athletes across the board, um, from grassroots up to Team GB elite athletes. Wow. And it's going to be an option for people to be able to get behind a local team player or a national team player. And we're really wanting to build a community and it's looking at corporate social responsibility for businesses. So if you're a small business, you love football. Mm. We've got, I don't know, Brighton and Hove women player on the app. You go, well, do you know what? I can't can't do big sponsorship, but if I gave like 100 quid a month through the business, that's our player. We're going to get updates on that as a business. Actually, I could do, let's do an away day. We'll get tickets one day to a match or... You know, if they're doing an open training day, yeah. let's go along and we can have lunch and we'll use it as our corporate social responsibility, our team building. Yeah. And it gives you, and then, you know, Monday mornings, like, oh my God, did you watch the match? Yeah, it was amazing. Didn't they play well? That's our player. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but for the actual athletes themselves, having some consistency of sponsorship means that they don't have to go to work the next day. Um, I have, I work with Harlequin's first team women within community coaching that are working the day before their semi final. So, actually providing some consistency and support through mm. sponsorship at those levels just might fill a little bit of a gap until mm. we've got some more parity um, with men and um, yeah so really that's a new chapter yeah, uh, and yeah, then and sort of another thing um, that I'm getting involved with which I'm really really passionate about and yeah. Lindsay Sortain who started this passion project dream five years ago is just a legend for doing it amazing, amazing. Exciting times ahead. Lots of exciting times ahead. Just look, we're, we're going to finish with our quick fire questions. Honestly, it's been brilliant chat. I knew it would be what a great conversation. Let's 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 finish off with, with our quick fire questions first, and then we'll go right. So, one piece of advice would you give to your eighteen-year-old self? I was thinking about this when you told me you were going to tell me ask these quick fire questions. Um, I actually just think to say you've got this. Yeah. You're going to have curveballs. And there's going to be your own inner monologue, yeah. as as well as a million other one yeah. outside telling that you're difficult or you're challenging or you're, you know, a bit emotional, not passionate or dedicated. Yeah. No, don't get those. You get emotional. Um, but you've got it. You've got it. Just stick with it. You've got it. Love that. Love that. Um, who has been your biggest inspiration throughout your journey and why? Hmm... Hmm. Um, I don't think there's one. I actually take inspiration. I take nuggets. Mm. And I take nuggets from everywhere. Mm. Um, and I think inspiration can come from little bits that you just see in someone and go, yeah, okay, mm. that's okay. You know, I'm, I can go back, you know, I was inspired to do stuff in music. I used to work at BMG and watch Simon Cowell walking around, strutting around with a cigarette <laughs> yeah. in his, his very high-waisted trousers. <laughs> and that was inspiring. Or seeing how Richard Branson was working, changing and in being an employer uh, at V2, in, you know, was and how he'd gone through his journey. through That was really inspiring. Through, you know, you've got Giselle Mather, who was just this pioneering woman, first level three qualified coach. She was doing that as I was just starting to get my qualifications. Um, she took her newborn baby with her to her level three courses because she needed to, because it wasn't childcare, which everyone was a bit like, Arr. I was like, yeah, she's queen. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and and she's now, you know, elite. Mm. Uh, just brilliant. People like that, that, that you pick up bits. Um, 
through to my son and my family. My son inspires me to be mm. a better coach, to be a better person. When you work with other coaches, they inspire you to be better people if they're enthusiastic. And I guess I'm just a bit of a sponge. I love that. But that's a great, for me, that's a great answer because I think the reason I started this podcast was because I do, I honestly believe when people ask me that question, I'm, I'm the same. I believe we're surrounded within our little business community here, just in Sussex, we're surrounded by people that inspire, hence why I get people to come on and chat about their journey because we everyone's got a story to tell and we can all be inspired by everyone's because people will take nuggets like you say from yeah. this episode and from other episodes that resonate with them and I think that's such a powerful thing that we we're surrounded by people that insp- can inspire us yeah. on a daily from our peers on a daily basis I haven't got to be you know as a footballer I haven't I haven't got to look to Diego Maradona to be that's my inspiration and blah 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 and of course they're them people that are great but I think within when, when you look a little bit closer to home there's some real I also think it as well I mean it's like I could look at I'm never going to be Maggie Alfonso, mm. you know. I'm never going to be well, far too old. I'd love to have been a Jess Breach, but she's epic. But I am me, yeah. and I can take that inspiration to be the best me. So I don't need to be someone else yeah. or behave like one other person that inspires me the most. Yeah. I can just take all the bits that hopefully improve me. Super. Right, final one. Could you recommend a business book or a podcast that, um, to our listeners that have had an impact on you and your career? Um, I mean, yeah, the, 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 there's the completely the obvious of Richard Branson yeah. when I read his book thousands of years ago. Um, and the thing that I've always taken away from it is when you're employing people, you want to make sure that you're not the cleverest person in the room. You want to make sure you're employing the cleverest person in the room because they know their field. And this is why I always work with associates especially around sort of well-being um, and some of the coaching side of things that's slightly different to mine because they know that better than me. So I want to offer, Jessica Freeman HR offers the best, so I bring someone in who's the best. And I got that from reading Richard Branson's book like a decade ago. No, God, decades (laughs) ago. Uh, uh, More recently, um, Game Changers, Sue Anstis, the game just the whole game on thing um she was in no woman no try the documentary on amazon about mm. the rise of women's rugby and the challenges it faces brilliant book great game changers great podcast game on great book um and actually a podcast i'm not i don't often get too much time to listen to podcasts mm. but one of them an episode rather than more than listening to lots of them was the stephen bartlett episode on imposter syndrome and actually, I don't know if you've you yeah. more than likely listened I, I to it. I probably have listened to it. Yeah, I have listened to it, yeah. And it was the fact that he said of him, this this, this dragon's, you know, this yeah. person that's seen as the ultimate business at the moment, yeah. just went, yeah, I live in imposter syndrome constantly. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's actually not, it's, a re- it's not a syndrome. It's not an illness. It's not a problem. It actually is changing you and saying I'm going to be outside of my comfort zone because I'm pushing myself and I'm driving myself to do something new and driving myself to move forward so yeah first day walk back into rugby pitch pre pre pre-season training because that is a thing now total imposter syndrome but that's because I was pushing myself to say 
heading towards 50 and I'm actually going to try and play rugby again and coach it at the same time in an adult and coach adults for the first time. It wasn't imposter syndrome because I've got this, but I am pushing myself. Brilliant. What a great way to wrap up that. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, I knew it would be, like I said, that first <laughs> time, we, you know, when you just meet and we first time we met, we had a chat and I was like, this also, and it has been brilliant chatting to you. We've had an amazing kind. I think there's going to be so many nuggets that people will take from it and, and, and great learnings and inspiration from, from you. So thank you very oh, much. And, thank uh, you. It's been, a, it's been an awesome chat. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Mm-hmm.